Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Okay, so we're going through our Advent series. <laughs> we've covered light, we've covered hope, and today we're going to talk about joy. Before I do that, I want to get into a less joyful topic. I want to talk about early next year. Uh, we feel the Lord has spoken to us about fasting early next year. So um, we're thinking about doing a 21-day fast as a church. Now, don't panic. I can see the fear in your eyes already. This doesn't have to be food. It doesn't have to... Eat. Basically, what we more of God's Spirit breaking through in our own lives, in the life of the church, in the lives of the community. And so um, we just feel... There's something, fasting doesn't twist God's arm, but it shifts stuff in the heavenlies. Um, there's, a, there's a story in the Gospels where the disciples were praying for a boy who was afflicted, and they couldn't, they couldn't do anything. And uh, they said to Jesus, what's the matter? And he said, well, this, this situation is only moved by prayer and fasting. There's something that fasting does as we deny ourselves. It somehow releases stuff in the heavenlies. And so, so you know your pinch points. You know the sort of things that you like to do or to eat. Um, David once said, I won't give to God that which cost me nothing. I won't bring an offering to God that which... So I could give up celery for 21 days. That'd be great because I don't like celery very much and it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't really be a cost to me. Um, but I know I could give up something else which would be more of a cost to me. And so I want you to be thinking this side of Christmas, you've got all Christmas to enjoy the lovely stuff and then as we enter into the new year, um, from that sort of first Sunday back and then from 21 days onwards, think about what could you offer to God in the form of a fast over those 21 days. And together, let's really, that'll be our week of prayer as well. And let's really push into God and say, God, we want to see more of your kingdom activity. We want to see more of your breakthroughs. So does that sound okay? So be thinking, be mindful of, Lord, what is it you want me to to offer up to you in the form of a fast. You might choose to, to miss a meal. You might choose to forgo a, a luxury or, or, or a habit or something that, you, you know, something that you feel is a suitable offering to God during that time. So I think that would be great to, for us all to connect around that uh, in the early part of next year. Right, so back to joy. Joy we see everywhere this time of year. It's on your Christmas cards. It's in shop windows. We sing about joy. Joy, 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 everywhere. But often Christmas isn't a very joyful time, if we're honest. It's a stressful time. It's a time when uh, we can feel um, all sorts of emotions around Christmas time because of the pressure and the expectation and the, and the sort of... I mean, I just love all those Iceland adverts and things, don't you? Where they're these massively laden tables with sweets piled high and all these smiling faces. It's nothing like that on Christmas Day, is it? It's carnage, normally. And there's so much washing up. So much washing up for 20 minutes eating. So much washing up. But that's, what, that's, the, sort of, that's the, the picture we get sold around joy. But actually, what normally we're being, what's being pushed on TV is happiness. You know, a big, a big laden table, lots of presents, lots of lights equals happiness. But joy and happiness are different. They're not the same. Happiness is to do with what happens. It's to do with circumstance, or to use an American term, happenstance. So what happens creates, tends to create happiness. When things are going well, uh, when circumstances are good, we can be happy. Happy is an external sort of emotion that is quite fleeting sometimes. 
Joy is different. Joy that is talked about in Scripture is, is a much more enduring thing. It's a thing that is much more internal than external. Joy can go beyond our circumstances. We can even be joyful when things are difficult or when things are hard. We get a little window into this from the Apostle Paul when he writes to the church uh, in Philippi. He says this, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So Paul is describing a sort of inner contentment, a sort of enduring joy that goes beyond his circumstances. And the reason that he can have this joy is because his joy isn't to do with things or happenings or circumstance. It's to do with a person, the person of Jesus Christ. So if happiness is connected to things that happen to us, the joy that's described in Scripture is connected to the person and the internal transformation that takes place when we walk with Christ. And Paul has discovered the secret. And he's not discovered it necessarily through amazing things that have happened to him or or things that have made him happy. In fact, he's learned, he's walked the walk and has learned that in all things, God can be trusted. And that gives him a contentment, even though often he's imprisoned, he's been persecuted, He's suffering difficulties. Kay Warren, in her book, describes joy like this. She says, Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of every detail in my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything will be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in all things. The word joy is used eight times in the Christmas story in the accounts in your Bibles. But there are challenges to experiencing joy a long term. Joy has a habit of draining out of our life. Yeah? It sort of it can, it dissipates. And sometimes it can dissipate really quickly. It can, we can suddenly find ourselves like how joy has suddenly gone. It's kind of evaporated. It's disappeared. Joy is something that we have to contend for if we want to keep it, if we want to maintain it. And certain things come into our lives that deplete enduring joy. They prevent us from experiencing joy. And some of these things are present in the Christmas story. I want to look at those today. So let's look at uh, Mary's story to begin with in Luke 1, 26 to 30. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. If you ever stop to think about how much stress Mary must have come under for her first Christmas, I love the BBC adaptation of the Nativity done a few years ago, and it really pushed into the stress that Mary and Joseph experienced with this supernatural happening. 
First, we know that Mary was very young. We know she was a young teenager. We don't know how young, but we know she was a young woman, first and foremost. And this, this strange occurrence was happening to somebody who had very little of years. She was going to become a teenage mom, a teenage mother to Jesus. And this would have created, I would think, real anxiety for her. And secondly, she has to experience something that no one has ever experienced before and no one has ever experienced since. She was going to give birth to a baby without having sex with anybody. She was going to be a virgin mother. How do you explain this to family and friends? Imagine, imagine going to family and friends and saying, an angel appeared, I'm now pregnant, I haven't slept with anybody. Believe me. Who was going to believe her? Who was going to take her story at face value? And not only that, she had a fiancé, Josie. She had someone she was betrothed to marry. She had to try and explain this story to She would have to endure the scandal, the gossip of being a pregnant young girl in a village setup where everyone knew everyone's business. And she would be ostracized and scandalized because she was pregnant outside of marriage in the Jewish culture. And then, just before the baby's due, she has to get on a donkey and ride two or three days to a strange town. Imagine that. Imagine how exciting that would be. It's a wonder her waters didn't break on the way, isn't it? And when she arrives, there's no welcoming home, no welcoming family. There's nowhere to even stay that's warm and secure. She ends up in an outbuilding that's cold with animals. And there, she gives birth all alone. No mother, no family, no midwife, no medical support. Imagine the stress and the fear and the anxiety around this story for Mary. Fear and anxiety can be a massive depleter in terms of joy, in terms of experiencing ongoing joy. When the angel first appears to Mary, she's greatly troubled. She's fearful and out of our lives. The angel tells her this. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will... So the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So not only is Mary going to have a baby in her teenage years, not only is she going to have a baby through a virgin birth, she's going to give birth to the perfect child. She's going to have to mother the perfect child. This is going to be a king whose throne will endure forever. Imagine this. And so Mary asks the obvious question, how? How will this be? Since I'm still a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Time out, time out. Imagine saying, can we just go a little bit more into the overshadow bit, please? I'm not quite sure what that means. What does it mean to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit? (laughs) We read it, we gloss over it, it's the Christmas story. But what does it mean? I'm a teenage girl. What does it mean to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit? You can imagine the anxiety and the fear, and the worry. All this stress and uncertainty in Mary's life. Not a lot of joy present at this moment for her. If we're going to experience enduring joy as followers of Jesus. She trusts God. She trusts God. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. This is what Mary chose to do 
on that first Christmas. She chose to trust God with her uncertainty, with her fear, with her worry. And this Mary decision is the decision we all have to make if we're going to follow Jesus Christ. It's a decision we have to make initially and a decision we have to make in an ongoing way if we're going to experience the joy of walking with our Lord God. The Mary decision. God, even though I don't fully understand, I don't see how it fits together, I can't see around the corner, I feel fearful, I feel anxious about the future, I just can't see how it's all going to work out. Yet, I trust you. Yet, I'm secure in you. I'm going to make the same decision that Mary made. Maybe worry or fear has stolen your joy this Christmas. Maybe you are worried about the future. Maybe you're anxious about circumstances, situations. Maybe there's things in your life right now that are draining the joy out of your life because there's uncertainty and there's fear and there's anxiety. The Mary decision is to take these things and put them into God's hands and say, God, I can't see a way through. I don't understand how it's going to work out, but I know you love me. I know you trust me. Sorry, I trust you to basically take these things. You have my future. I can be secure in you. Mary was afraid. She was young. She had no idea how this would all work out. She had, she had so much to deal with, so much uncertainty, and yet she chose to put her trust in God. And the result of her trust, we read in Luke 1.47, a bit later on in this chapter. My spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. My spirit finds joy in God, my Saviour. The joy that's talked about in the Christmas story isn't reliant on you seeing all the way down the road of your life and seeing all the things that are going to happen and see how they're going to work out. The joy that's birthed in the Christmas story with Jesus Christ is the joy that puts fully our trust in God. Even when we can't see around the corner, we can't see how things are going to work out. We can't see what God is doing. And yet we can still find joy. We can still rejoice in God because our joy is based upon his character and who he is and his great love for us. Fear and worry and anxiety will steal your joy this Christmas if you let it. It will steal your joy. It will rob you of the joy and the peace that God promises. We can fight back by expressing our trust in God, by taking whatever it is that is creating the anxiety in you and giving it to him and putting it in his hands. Mary was so far outside her comfort zone, so far outside what she'd experienced, what she thought her life would be. And yet, she sings this song where she rejoices in God. She finds joy in her Saviour. So that's Mary's story. Let's look at the second possible depleter of joy this Christmas time. And that is, is resentment. Resentment basically means that we're hanging on to hurt. We're hanging on to pain. We're hanging on to something that's happened to us, which is causing us a wound. We've all been hurt, haven't we? Anyone in the room not been hurt? We've all been hurt emotionally, spiritually, 
sometimes physically. We get hurt relationally. Hurt is caused usually by somebody else's thoughts, sorry, actions or words. That's where hurt comes in. And the world is a broken place. And so therefore hurt people, which is you and me, we tend to hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. And we go around like dodging cars, bumping into each other and creating hurt all the time, don't we? You sit there going, I've never hurt anybody. Trust me, you have. Whether you've dropped a rock on someone's toe on purpose or by accident, it hurts the same. The pain is still the same. Whether you've done something intentionally or unintentionally, the pain is still the same. We hurt people. We've all been hurt and we've all caused hurt. We've all experienced some degree of rejection or betrayal. It's just the way it is. And what's overlooked again in the Christmas story is the sense of pain and betrayal that Joseph must have felt when Mary says to him, I'm pregnant. Think about that for a moment. He has all these dreams about his marriage and his family. And then his young wife comes to him and says, I'm pregnant. And guess what? God's the father. You can imagine Joseph going, yeah. Bars and singing and nativity services forevermore. It's brilliant. You can imagine the pain and betrayal that Joseph experienced when he found out that his Mary was pregnant. Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. That's one of those incredible, you know, throwaway lines in, the, in Scripture. She was just found to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit. You can imagine, imagine the distress. Joseph's planning his wedding. He's being faithful. He's not, he's not slept with Mary. And she's pregnant. Mary and Joseph are much more than engaged in the modern sense. If you're engaged in the modern sense, it doesn't work out well. You kind of break it off. You give the ring back and, you know, you walk away. But in Jewish culture, Mary and Joseph were pledged to be married. They were betrothed to be married. It was like a legal agreement. Effectively, they were married. They just weren't having sex. They weren't living together. They were promised to each other a year in advance. And that's what the situation they were in. Effectively, they were husband and wife already. That's where they were. And the only way out of that was to divorce. The only way to break that binding agreement was to divorce. And this is what Joseph decides to do. He decides to divorce Mary quietly, even though he feels betrayed and cheated and must have been incredibly disappointed. He chose to show grace rather than get even. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Even though Joseph was incredibly hurt, he chose to let the pain go. He chose not to try and get revenge. He chose to let the pain go. And the best thing he could do to protect Mary was to quietly divorce her so she wasn't exposed to public disgrace. He wanted to call the wedding off as quietly and as graciously as he could. Who has hurt you deeply? You probably don't have to think very long. They'll just pop right up in your head. They've been living there for a while, and they'll just pop right up in your head. Who's hurt you deeply? Are you still holding on to that hurt and that person? Has resentment stolen your joy? 
Mary's struggling with worry and fear. Joseph is struggling with anger and resentment. And you often see that time and time again in relationships. One party is anxious and fearful. One party is resentful and angry. And you have this perfect storm forming in this relationship. The joy has been lost. Just as joy will be stolen by fear, resentment and joy can't coexist in your life. If you're carrying resentment towards somebody, it will steal your joy. It will prevent you from experiencing enduring joy. They just can't coexist in the same space. Resentment is the most worthless emotion on the face of the earth. (laughs) It's this thought that if you hold on to somebody in your head, you are hurting them because they've hurt you. But in reality, they are utterly oblivious to you keeping them captive in your head. They could be drinking a pina colada on a beach somewhere. They don't, they don't even know what you're doing in your head. But resentment says, if I hang on to this person long enough and I keep rehearsing what happened in my head and keep going over it again and again, somehow it will help me get my own back on them. But it doesn't. All it does, it gives them permission to hurt you again and again and again and again. It gives them permission to live rent-free in your head. So if resentment is stealing your joy this Christmas, you need to do what Joseph did. You need to make the Joseph decision, and that was to quietly let that person go. Quietly let that person go. I know that person probably doesn't deserve your forgiveness. No one ever does deserve forgiveness, funnily enough. Forgiveness is a gift that we grant somebody. You know, no one was ever forgiven because they deserved it. We aren't forgiven because we deserve it. We're forgiven because we receive the gift of Jesus Christ. But when we forgive someone, we, we quietly let them go. We release them. We don't necessarily say what they did was right or okay. We don't, we don't say... That's, that's okay. What we do is we say, I'm going to quietly release you. I'm not going to hold you captive anymore in my head. We can choose to try and rehearse and think about all the ways we want to get back at a person. Or we can choose, like Joseph did, to quietly let somebody go. Quietly releasing them and forgiving them. And this is what Joseph decided to do for Mary. And after Joseph had come to this decision a revelation is brought to him. It says this in Matthew one twenty. After he considered this, after he had, another interpretation, after he decided this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she'll give birth to a son, and you must give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. As he released Mary, as he chose to be gracious to Mary, he had a revelation from God. God's plan began to unfold and be revealed to him. Whatever we release on earth is released in heaven, the scripture says. And so if you want to see more of God's plan for your life, if you want to have more revelation of who God is, you need to let people go that you're holding on to. As you let people go, God's truth and revelation can flow into your life and I believe also flow into their life as well. Amen? You can bless somebody. You can release them graciously. 
We've heard it many times that life either makes you bitter or makes you better. You can't control what happens to you. You can't control what people say to you. What you can control is how you respond to those things. You are empowered to choose how you respond to what life throws at you. And in fact, as a follower of Christ, you have this great freedom that's written about in the scriptures, and we can choose how to use that freedom. We can choose how to use this incredible perspective we now have that God has given us. How do we respond to those who throw stuff at us? Resentment and bitterness keeps millions of people captive on this planet. Bitterness and resentment towards a person. It's kept them locked up and prevented during their life right to the point of death because they believe that holding on to that thing, that person, is the right thing to do. But Joseph's choice, it brought something incredible. He got to be Jesus' stepdad. (laughs) Which again, I think we overlook. He got to raise Jesus. And the scripture doesn't record all those moments as a toddler. We have the one story where he runs off to the temple and creates stress, but we we don't have the, the, the moments that Joseph would experience as Jesus was growing, growing as a human, growing in God, and all the joy that raising Jesus would have brought to Joseph. And he gets to name his stepson. He gets to be part of God's story because he releases grace and he releases God's plan. So if you want joy to be restored to this Christmas, you need to let people go if you're carrying them, if you're holding hurt against them. Release them. Forgive them. That's the essence of the Christmas story. The third depleter of joy, the third thing that can really steal joy we see in the story is confusion. When we doubt where we're going and what we're for and what a direction our life is, we can lose joy really quickly. Our joy can drain away. There was lots of confusion in the Christmas story. Mary was confused. Joseph was confused. The shepherds were really confused. Everyone's confused. There's this kind of crazy event happening and no one really knows why or how or what and it's not fitting in with the framework that people thought it should and there's angels in the fields and there's children in manger and it's all sorts of, all this confusion is taking place around the story. And in the middle of this confusing story we find this group of magi who, who are wise men. We find these wise men. We read about them in Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea the wise men didn't come trotting in on the, on the evening like they do in the school play. They came a little bit later. Okay? So they were a bit, we can't have nativities over two years, so we have to kind of compress the whole thing together. But they came along a little bit later in the life of Jesus. During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who was born king of the Jews? We saw his star and it rose and have come to worship him. These men were traveling from the east. They were traveling west. We don't know how far they'd come. They might have come from Persia. They might have come from China. They might have come from India. They were coming overland in a caravan, following a star. Something had happened in the heavenlies that we don't fully know. We, we try and describe, but again, we don't know. But they'd seen something in the stars, and they were following it. And they came with limited understanding to Jerusalem. These men probably weren't confused, but they certainly didn't have the full story. 
They certainly didn't have the full story of what was happening, but they were putting one foot in front of the other, trying to discover God's plan and God's purpose. They were wise men and they were seeking God. And you know what? Wise men and wise women still seek God today. It's unwise not to seek God. It's very wise to seek God. So you're sitting here this morning thinking, is this a wise thing to do? Yes, it is. It's a wise thing to seek God. And Riverside is quite a good place to seek God because we're, we're warm and we're welcoming and we let you have your journey as long as you want to. You can take as much time as you want to in your own story seeking God and trying to discover who he is for your life. We'd love to have you here with us. These wise men had invested a lot of time, a lot of energy, probably traveling for months following this astrological sign to find the baby Jesus. Maybe three months traveling to Jerusalem. We said before that stories need starts, don't they? And these guys had started out just because they had a sense that something was happening. They wanted to get in on the action. We like this story at Christmas time, following a star. But in reality, we all want a map for our lives, don't we? That's what I really want, a map. So I can see exactly what's going to happen. And you know, what's going to happen next year, and what's going to happen the following year, and what's going to happen after that. And we love to know the future. We love to know what's going to come down the track. But God's never going to give you or me a map. Do you know that? He's not going to do it. Because you couldn't handle tomorrow <laughs> if you knew what was coming. You couldn't handle next week. It's that famous film, um, You Can't Handle the Truth. What's that, what's that quote from? That's the one. You can't handle the truth. Yeah. We couldn't handle seeing the full picture. Jesus said, didn't he? He said, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough worry of its own. Basically what you're saying is you haven't got the capacity to look down the track. You haven't got the capacity to see the big picture because you have enough problem with today. Worry about today because today is happening. We haven't got the capacity to see all the way down the track. And God wouldn't want us to anyway because we wouldn't be able to grow in trust and prayer with him, and deepen our relationship with him. God won't give you a map, but he will give you a guiding light. And that guiding light is in the form of his Holy Spirit, and in the scripture that you hold. These two things come together, and they, and they guide us in life. They give us principle and direction. We've just spent ten weeks, haven't we, learning to grow in listening to the Holy Spirit and responding to him. We don't have to lose our joy to confusion. You may not be able to see next week, next year. But that doesn't have to sap or drain away your joy. We can learn to walk by the Spirit day by day and experience the joy of knowing God does know what's happening. God does know what's coming. These wise men, even though they were wise and probably highly intellectual and philosophers and had status... When they came and experienced the baby Jesus, it says that they were overjoyed. They were overjoyed. When they got close to Jesus, even though he'd done nothing, he was still a, you know, a young child, he had no ministry, he had no books out, he hadn't done any, 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 any podcasts, you know, he hadn't got a big ministry or a big building, he had no healings under his belt. They got close to this young child and they bowed down and they worshipped him. 
When we get close to Jesus, that is what happens. Have you ever fallen to your knees and graciously thanked God for who he is and the love he's shown in your life? Have you ever done that? Maybe in private, maybe in public. Because that's with the love and grace he has for us. We humble ourselves because we get a, a window into God's heart that is expressed through Jesus Christ. We don't lean into our own understanding. We lean into him. Because he's, he's able to, to take the weight. He's able to hold our future. We lean into him and we experience the same joy. This, this joy word here is like joy upon joy upon joy upon joy upon joy. It's like really big joy. <laughs> it's, it's, they were just overjoyed. Joy was overflowing out of them. Because they'd travelled and they'd found the person they were looking for. So just coming into land today. How's your joy this Christmas? How are you feeling this Christmas? Maybe you feel like you've lost a bit of joy this Christmas. Maybe there's things happening in your life that are causing that. Maybe you've got worries and fears about the future. Maybe you're uncertain. Maybe there's a wound you still carry. Someone hurt you. Maybe recently, maybe in a dim and distant past, but you're still carrying that wound. You still feel that pain. You rehearse what happened to you. Or maybe you're just confused about the direction of your life and what the purpose of your life is and, and what, what are you for and, and where are you going? Maybe you're wondering how next year is going to be any different. We need help from heaven, don't we? We need help from heaven to make sense of life. That's what the Christmas story is all about. It's about help coming from heaven in the form of Jesus Christ. He came as a saviour. And that word sometimes we get confused. Well, what are we being saved from? You know, but the sense of the word saviour or messiah is God comes to make us whole. He makes us whole, uh, spiritually, emotionally, physically sometimes when he brings healing. He connects us back in relationship with God our Father. He makes us whole. He makes our life have meaning. And that's why we can carry joy. Even in dark times, we can have joy because of our connection with our Father in heaven. Over 2,000 years ago, an angel said this, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. A saviour, help from heaven, is coming. It's going to bring you great joy. Our enduring joy is not found in circumstances, it's not found in adverts, it's not found in ridiculously expensive Christmas adverts with dragons. It's not found in any of that. It's found in a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And whether we have much or whether we have little, whether life is tough or whether life is easy at the moment, we can still experience God's joy in our hearts. And we all need him this Christmas. We all need him next year. We all need him every year. We need help from heaven in the form of Jesus Christ to come and be with us. We can pray as the psalmist prayed in Psalm 51, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I'd like us to pray together this morning. I'm not going to ask you to stand. Let's just stay. If you want to maybe pray this prayer in your heart with me, maybe you want to bow your head and close your eyes.
you might want to echo these words. There's a promise in the Christmas story for all of us. And God wants us to know the deep, enduring sense of love and joy. Not based upon what's happening around us, but based upon a restored relationship. 1 Peter, when Peter writes, he says, God promises to fill you with an inexpressible and glorious joy because of your connection with Jesus. And you might not be feeling that joy at the moment. You might still be trying to find that joy in your life. I'm going to just pray. So, Father God, I don't want to live a joyless life. Can you help me where worry or fear or resentment or confusion have stolen my joy? Lord, I need help from heaven this morning. Thank you for sending Jesus to be my saviour. And I confess, Lord, I don't understand everything, just like Mary. But I'm choosing to trust you. I'm choosing to find my joy in you. And like Joseph, Lord, I have been hurt. And I need you to help me to release that hurt. I need you to help me to release that person. So, Lord, by your grace, I'll just give that person that situation to you now. I just choose to, choose to quietly release that person to you. And like the wise men, Lord, like the major, I want to follow the guiding light that you give me. Your word and your spirit. Help me to follow you one step at a time. And Lord, I confess I cannot save myself. I cannot find joy to be in you, the person of Jesus Christ. So let my joy be found in you this Christmas time. And ask this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. You may have prayed that prayer for the first time today. If you have, please come and, come and talk to me. You know, if you, if you are on a journey and trying to find joy in Jesus for the first time, please come and chat to me. Let's be praying that more people discover the joy of Christ this Christmas. Let's pray. You know, the world is a mess in all sorts of different ways. Joy isn't out there. But joy can be found in the person of Jesus Christ. Let's pray that we are a people of enduring joy and we can communicate that joy all through Christmas and all through next year. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. Look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.